It doesn't happen very often that a pregnant woman gets cancer, but when it does, it is difficult to know how best to treat it, or even whether to treat the cancer, because there isn't a lot of data about what works and what doesn't, and treatments can also put the fetus at risk. So, Kimber Howdeschel and her team I'm Kimber Howdeschel and I work at the National Toxicology Program undertook an effort to consolidate the data of many studies about treating pregnant cancer patients with chemotherapy. The hope is that their study will serve as a resource for patients and their doctors, a resource for them to consult in making some very difficult decisions. I'm Robert Frederick, and you're listening to the American Scientist Podcast. Here's our interview. We evaluated the literature for pregnancy outcomes from women who were treated with chemotherapy for cancer during pregnancy. And so we were most interested in how the offspring were affected. How many women are diagnosed with cancer during pregnancy? So cancer during pregnancy occurs in 17 to 38 women per 100,000 women. And if you consider a definition of pregnancy during cancer as also including a year post-birth, then that number goes up to about 94 to 137 cases per 100,000 women. So it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare. Tragic nonetheless. Uh, Are there particular types of cancer that are more likely in pregnant women? Yes. So there have been some population-based studies that have found that melanoma, and cervical cancer and breast cancer are among the top three cancers that appear. And also other cancers that are among the top seven would be, say, ovarian cancer and uh, some of the blood cancers, lymphomas and leukemias. To those cancers themselves in pregnant women, are they more or less malignant, faster or slower to metastasize, things like that? That's a very good question. There have been a lot of research that have tried to understand whether pregnancy actually influences the cancer, and it doesn't appear that that is the case, with the exception of maybe breast cancer. There are a lot of complicating factors with breast cancer because the breasts change so much in response to being pregnant, and uh, so diagnosis often occurs later. So there's a lot of work that's continuing to be done. Now, you mentioned that you were looking particularly at the effects as well on the fetus. Do cancers in pregnant women ever spread to the fetus? We did not observe that in the literature that we evaluated. That wasn't the primary focus of our particular evaluation, so I can't say that I reviewed all the studies on that. But certainly among infants that were exposed to chemotherapy, there was only one case in which there was an infant that developed cancer later in life, and it was a twin who had a normal twin who did not develop cancer. So chemotherapy is part of the current treatment then for women who are diagnosed with cancer while they are pregnant? Yes, it is among the toolbox. Also, there's surgery that is very frequently done And then there's some limited use of x-rays or radiation therapy. But you're working with the National Toxicology Program is to study the chemotherapeutic agents in pregnant women who chose to undergo treatment. Is that right? That's correct. So how many cases then did you and your team study? So I believe in the end we had 1,276 conceptuses. So those would be like the total number of little embryos that 
of which there were about 1,119 infants born from. In terms of the the women who were actually treated, it was closer to 1,256. Now, these are observational data, and really the only kind of data you could get. Uh, Are there other limitations to the data in terms of it leading to a scientifically convincing result? Sure. The more robust of the observational data that we have are cohort studies. And those are ideal because we have a control, which is a non-pregnant woman who has the cancer, and then we have the pregnant woman with cancer. More than 75% of our literature were case reports and case series, and they don't have a control. So that's a a drawback. And some of the other limitations would be that some of the, the reporting wasn't always as thorough in some of that literature. And then some of these malformations occur so infrequently that when we have a small number of cases that we're actually evaluating, the chance that we would see them would be relatively small. So a small sample size for the various types of cancers. You also have to consider the different types of treatments that were used. Yes, yes. And the number of cases for for any given treatment was probably small. Um, Another factor is also that a number of these infants are born prematurely because often it's the medical advice that the mother be given a C-section so they can pursue more aggressive treatment. And so in that case, then you end up with uh, premature infants. And so what research questions did you and your team ask? So we were interested in the impact of the chemotherapy on the rate of malformation, particularly whether there was any difference between first trimester and second and third trimester. We were interested in whether the chemotherapy exposure might impact the rate of miscarriages or, or stillbirth whether it might impact newborn health, whether that be the body weight at birth or other health outcomes. And we were interested in the long-term effects on the offspring. You said second and third trimester. Is chemotherapy not used in the first trimester for pregnant women? So medical opinion is to avoid the first trimester when at all possible. There are cases where the cancer needs to be treated because of the advanced stage or the type of cancer that it is. But the reason for avoiding that period is that is the period in which the organs are developing and that's a very sensitive time in development. And so generally I would gather the effects of using chemotherapy during pregnancy aren't good for the fetus, but there's little option for some women who might otherwise die. Correct. So what we know from animal studies is that many of these agents are teratogenic. That is, they induce malformations when there's exposure during pregnancy. And there's some evidence that some agents do induce those malformations in human fetuses based on uh, the literature. So you don't have a a rate of these malformations happening. You just have the incidences based on the number of cases you've studied? That's correct. Yeah, we we can look at, say, the CDC database to get an appreciation and get an understanding of how often malformations occur in the general population. So if we wanted to look to see whether, for example, for this evaluation, we looked at the rates that we found in the literature for any malformation and compared those to the CDC general population rates. And while we couldn't do that with a statistical test, we were able to use the 3% occurrence in the general population as a reference point. So how often are these 
various malformations happening. Ah, so the incidence of malformations, of any major malformation, is about 3% in the general U.S. population. And so we then looked at the literature to see what was the incident rate in the first trimester or in the second and third trimester alone. And we saw that in the first trimester it was much higher than the general population rate. It was closer to 14 or 15 percent. But interesting that when exposure to these drugs in the second and third trimester occurred, the rate was similar to the U.S. population rate. So overall then, your group's work is to give extra information to the doctors and patients, or was there some sort of trend that you found in your data that suggests that current treatment options for pregnant women diagnosed with cancer should change? Right. So indeed, our document was meant to be a resource. We aren't actually coming to medical conclusions in the document, but I think the benefit of our literature evaluation is we were able to pull all of that information in one place. And we are presenting what the scientific literature has to say on this topic. So we hope that that will be useful then in making decisions about whether to treat or not. Where can I find this resource? Our monograph is located on the National Toxicology Program website under the Office of Health Assessment and Translation office, and you can find a list of our monographs there in that particular program. And We would be delighted for folks to take advantage of this really important resource. Kembra Houdeschel, thank you very much. Thank you. Kimber Houdeschel is a health scientist with the Office of Health Assessment and Translation in the National Toxicology Program, a part of the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences. I spoke with Dr. Houdeschel after a talk she gave on pregnancy outcomes associated with cancer chemotherapy use during pregnancy, a talk she delivered at the Research Triangle Park chapter of Sigma Xi, the Scientific Research Society, the publisher of American Scientist magazine. I'm Robert Frederick, and you've been listening to the American Scientist Podcast. Thanks for joining us.